The opinions expressed on the Rob Report are the opinions of the hosts, participating callers, and or listener emails, texts, and letters, and are not necessarily the opinions of WDAY or Form Communications. WDAYM 93.1 FM. Welcome to your afternoon. We uh, we got a good show today. Congressman Kevin Kramer joins us today, as he always does on Wednesdays, uh, to take your calls, your questions. So that's coming up at uh, 130. Uh, you can start getting your comments, questions. You can even email them in now if you want. You don't have to wait. Talk at WDAY.com. If you want to ask him a question, it's well, it's it's probably better if you wait and you call and when he's on, and you can certainly do that at 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. You can send me tweets as well, at Rob Port. Um, ben, how you doing? Doing good, Rob. How are you? Not bad. Having a good Wednesday? Yep. So far, so good. So far, so good. Glad to hear it. Um, All right. Here's what I want to talk about today. Um, It's been brewing a little bit, but there was a, a public meeting last night. Uh, that two Tran, Fargo Forum reporter, um, reported on. Um, and it, it wasn't really supposed to be about the issue with Prairie Public, but that's what it became. And I actually saw on Twitter where uh, the reporter, Tuin Tran, was getting uh, some flack. Um, he was getting accused. Uh, that this was from a, a Twitter user tweeted at uh, Tuin. He said, uh, the Block 9 Forum yesterday was open to the public. You make it sound like an angry mob crashed the event. It was an informational meeting for the public, and the public attended. Um, Tuin replied, uh, when you contradict the intent of your host, isn't that crashing? It's not a moral judgment, just an observation. Kilborn Group clearly wanted the, wanted the focus to be on the topic of streets and sidewalks, not antennas. Um, that may have been what they wanted to be their focus, but uh, the focus became... The antenna. Now, Ben, have you been following this issue at all? I haven't really. So what is the whole situation about? All right. So what's going on right now is that currently Prairie Public Radio uh, downtown has an antenna uh, in downtown Fargo. It's about 125-foot monopole. It's uh, behind their downtown headquarters. And they have what they have is microwave transmitters that relay TV and radio signals um, to two other big antennas from which the signals are then broadcast um, to other areas. Uh, one one of those antennas is north of Wheatland uh, and further relays the signal to the west and to the north. Um, the other one is near Amania, North Dakota, and it mostly serves the Fargo region. So just you have, again, you have two, two antennas, the one in Amania mostly. There's an antenna downtown, and then they broadcast their TV and radio broadcast broadcast to those two antennas which then broadcast it in two other very specific areas you have the the amania antenna which mostly is on the fargo region and then you have the wheatland antenna which goes you know north and west basically uh, if i'm understanding all that right now what's going to happen is um the pill kilborn group they're planning on building developing a new tower that they've been working on for a while it's called the block nine tower um and and the well, what everybody acknowledges, right, every, everybody's in agreement, 
that the Block 9 tower, which will be about 235 feet tall, will block the microwave transmissions aimed at the Wheatland antenna uh, and will nearly block, not quite block, the microwaves aimed at uh, Amenia. So while the Block 9 tower might not inhibit Prairie Public from broadcasting to the Fargo region, uh, it will inhibit their ability to broadcast kind of to, to the rest of North Dakota. Um, that became the issue last night, and, and a lot of people saying that, that you know, the, the Kilbourne group is, is doing something wrong here. Um, this from uh, Two and Trans article, uh, which was published in the Fargo Forum today, um, I quote, uh, they have, this is from one of the people in the audience that showed up, they have been a standard mainstay in downtown and a public service for many, many years of blocking their ability to reach the public. It's kind of like you building in Robert's Alley. And if it blocks the entrance to a business like the coffee shop or the boiler room, uh, said Jen Walla, she came to the meeting with her young son, uh, your entrance is totally blocked and your customers can't get to you. That's not an ethical business practice. Um, now, according to Kilborn Group, and this is from Keith Lear, who's the Block 9 project manager, he said over and over they have consultants looking at this. Uh, they're trying to find the best solution. So to me, that sounds like um, the Kilborn Group hasn't necessarily shut the door on on finding a, some sort of a solution with, with Prairie Public. Now, there are solutions to this. Um, the problem is, is that they're they're expensive. Um, they could build a, uh, they, they could rent space for antennas on top of black nine or block nine or another tall building nearby, such as, uh, the Radisson hotel. Uh, they could install a higher monopole in the police station, uh, parking lot behind its neighbors, uh, American federal bank, or, and I'm, I'm reading this from two in trans article, or it could rent fiber optic lines to connect its downtown headquarters directly to the Wheatland antenna, at which point they're not even broadcasting at all then. And then they have like a hard wire connection. Okay. Um, Prairie Public says that they would prefer, and this is according to John Harris, Prairie Public's uh, president and CEO, they would prefer the fiber optics. Um, they're more expensive, but it's a, it's a permanent solution. Then they don't have to worry about any further, you know, downtown development blocking. No their- worry of having to rebuild someplace else again. Yeah. yeah, but still, Kilborn Group kind of taking it on the chin um, from people who are saying that they're doing something wrong here. And I guess that's my question for the audience. What do you think of this? Is the Kilborn Group, are they doing something wrong? I, I posted this question on Facebook as well. Some people saying the, Kil, the Kilborn Group is, is bullying Prairie Public, that they're bullying them. Uh, as a matter of fact, I can, I can read you that comment right now. Uh, Matt says, so you're okay with a company bullying another company. It's called compromise, something Kilborn and its Republican leadership need to learn. Um, I, I guess that a reference to the fact that the Kilborn group was founded by our current Republican governor, Doug Burgum, who, as I understand it, though, Doug Burgum has, has taken a leave of absence from the Kilborn group while he's governor. So, I, But Block 9 is a project that started while before he was governor, so... I'll leave it up to you to decide to, to what degree Governor Burgum should be looped into all of this. Um, I I like public broadcasting. I know that may be a weird thing for somebody who's a, a conservative to say. I like their classical music programming. I listen to it a lot at night when I'm I'm reading. 
Um, a lot of times I'll tune into them in the morning for, for news and things like that. I, I like, I, I watch, I read their, uh, their news bulletins on their website. Yeah. Uh, I sometimes even watch some of their television programming. I think they have interesting documentaries. I love listening to the radio game shows in the weekends. We can have a, yeah, we can have a debate about, because obviously it's public broadcasting and there's public dollars Mm -hmm. involved here and we can have a debate about whether or not that's a thing that should exist. And honestly, I, I, I think Prairie Public, because even even looking at this situation, a lot of the backlash against them is is citing the fact that they get um, they get public funding. You know, so a lot of people kind of using that as a cudgel to to beat them with a little bit. I sometimes think public broadcasting in general would be better off if they just stopped taking the public money and just went to an entire. I realize that it would probably be a, a, a it'd be tough, for them, but. Um, you know, I think in the long run, they might be better off for it if they were a more independent organization. But, I mean, that aside, I don't know that the Kilborn Group's doing anything wrong here. Um, by the way, there's another interesting thing here, talking about um, air rights. Have you ever heard of this before, air rights? No. What are those? Air rights are where you own the right to the air above a piece of property. Which I didn't even, I, I guess I'd never thought of it, but I, I didn't know that that was a thing. It makes sense in a weird way that you would, you know, have ownership of that. It'd be your airspace, technically. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we have, like, we have it, we, we do that for the area below the surface land, right? We right. do mineral rights. And sometimes yeah. you can even have, um, sometimes you can even have somebody who, um, different, who owns the mineral rights under the land than who owns the rights above it. Now, I'm not that familiar with air rights. I don't know if it's a situation where somebody else can, can own the air rights above above it. This is from Two and Trans article. When one Prairie Public supporter at another briefing held Tuesday morning suggested the developer should pay because its high-rise is harming an established organization, Kilborn President Mike Allmendinger uh, talked about air rights. He said Prairie Public doesn't own the space over the site of the Block 9 Tower. U.S. Bank does. Uh, between uh, reports that U.S. Bank is expected to, to sell the land to Kilborn, but I, I don't I don't know what I've, I I don't know I mean it's a it's a sticky situation I, I'll, I'll tell you I mean I'm sympathetic to Prairie Public I like Prairie Public's broadcasting I like what they do generally I, I don't want to see them inhibited or unduly harmed by this but I'm I'm looking at this situation and I'm thinking to myself well this kind of isn't Kilborn's problem. Right. I mean, I, I, I mean, Kilborn, they've, they're engaged in, in legal development. You know, they're purchasing land or in the process of purchasing land. And I mean, they're, they're going through this process to build this building. If Prairie Public, you know, is in a situation where it's going to block them, well, obviously there are solutions, including like a fiber optic hardwire connection from their studios out to their antennas that would, you know, obviously, you know, make this all a moot point about whatever buildings get built in downtown Fargo. Maybe they should have invested in that years ago or should have been saving up to invest in it. I mean, if they didn't foresee this as a possibility, whose fault is that? Whose job is it to look out for Prairie Public? I kind of feel like that's Prairie Public's job and not, you know, the Kilbourne groups. Uh, I tell you what, let's uh, let's take a break. I just saw Paul just called in, but I want to take a break so we have plenty of time for him. Uh, Paul, hold through the break. We'll get to you right after. It's going to be a short break. This is the Rob Report. If you want to call in, what do you think? Who's got the right of this? Kilborn Group. 
Prairie public, what do you think we ought to do? 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report 970, WDY AM 93.1 FM. I got social media messages pouring in about this uh, Prairie Public um, Kilborn group dispute, I guess we call it. I, I don't, I, 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 maybe that's, I, I hope, I think that's the right word for it. Um, obviously, Kilborn Group's building a, what is it, 235-foot tall development in downtown Fargo called Block 9, uh, but that's going to block prairie public's uh, access to their tower which repeats their signal to most of the state uh that's obviously a problem prairie public has some options to, to solve it but they're expensive and a lot of people are blaming kilborn group for putting prairie public in a in a bad spot uh we'll get to the emails and the social media messages in a moment but first i want to get to paul who's been waiting patiently and by the way you can call in 9-7-0-9-3-2-9. Email talk at WDAY.com. Paul, welcome to the program. What do you think? Well, you know, I, I just, just heard about this. The only comment I had was on the airspace above your house because I fly drones and I know that there's a limited amount of space above your property that you own that somebody can encroach on. So, you know, a jet can fly over your house, but right. there's a certain height limit. And then often in New York City, you notice that the buildings are all set back now, and that's why you have all those tall, tall cylinder-type buildings. You know, they're very narrow, but that's because, you know, of the shadowing effect of the building. So back in the 30s, they passed that law that you have to offset your building so that there's not a shadow covering your your whole building because of some tall tower. So. I'm not sure in this case who who would be would be right. You know what I mean? If yeah. if it's blocking their signal, you would think that Prairie Public would just have to build a taller tower, I would think, or something. Or, or one of the other solutions that that I mean, and the, I mean, there are fixes for this. I think the problem is they're expensive, and I mean, I I guess I just never thought of air rights before, but it makes sense. Like if I owned if I owned two tall buildings on either side of your short, shorter building. I mean, could I just could I just build build across your building and connect my two buildings over your <laughs> buildings without having you say anything about it? I mean, obviously, that's a question, and and that that's probably why we have the concept of air rights is to regulate that sort yep. of a thing. I mean, obviously, we yep. you know airplanes flying over and that is one thing, but like, can I just build from my property and then just like veer over and be over the top of your property? I yep. mean, that's. You know? Well, I know there's new drone regulations on that. I mean, I I didn't realize that because I was flying my drone in, in my neighborhood. But then I had heard about air rights, and I'm not even sure what the specifics are. You know, you can't fly a drone higher than 400 feet, but can you fly it over your neighbor's house at 400 feet? I don't know what that height yeah. limit is, but there is air rights over your property. And so I, I don't know, but it doesn't sound like the Kilburn Group is building anything over the top of public is just blocking their signal. They're just blocking it like laterally. Like Prairie Public's currently brought, like they've got their antennas aimed at their other two rebroadcast antennas, and it's going to block one of them. It just happens to be the antenna that allows them to rebroadcast their radio and television signals to the rest of the state. I mean, do you think do you think Kilburn Group? I mean, who's what? What? What would you like to see for a solution here, Paul? I would say I would say Kilburn Group should volunteer to rent some space to Prairie Public to put the antenna on their building so that they can use it there. Yeah. That way they don't have to bear the full expense and rent yeah. some space 
off their building, uh, depending on how intrusive the, it is. But that's what I would say is suggest being good public partner. You know what I mean? Being a good yeah, neighbor. Yeah, I, well, I think it would be. I think it would be a good gesture from. I, I don't think the Kilborn Group's obligated to do anything. No, I don't um, think so either. But that would be nice I don't, for them to do. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know how difficult that is. I don't know how that plays into Kilborn. I mean, because the other thing is. You know, I, what what level of expense does the Kilborn Group have to put up with to facilitate that? What if putting what if putting right. the antenna on top of their building hurts their plans for the building? I mean, what what obligation right. do, do they have for for that? So, I, and I don't know the answers to all that. I don't know how hard that would be. I don't know how expensive that would be for the Kilborn no. Group. I don't know. I, I like the idea as a gesture of goodwill. But I also think there's an upper limit to what goodwill should cost you, too. Well, right. I, I don't know and what that public, is. You know, this is progress. This is good for downtown North Dakota. And and uh, there's bigger buildings being built, and, and it just kind of sucks for Prairie Public where they're located. But well, I just think that if they don't want to work with the Kilbourne or if they can't afford to, I don't know. I just think they're screwed, like you said. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah. Th- thanks, thanks for the call, Paul. I, and you know, yep, again, but... it sounds it sounds like according to the Two and Trans article, it sounds like, I mean, there, there's been options that Prairie Public's been aware of for a while, such as burying fiber, you know, or it has some sort of a fiber optic connection, um, maybe renting space on another taller building downtown. I mean, there's there's been if they didn't avail, I mean, it's always been a possibility that we could have taller buildings in Fargo if they didn't avail themselves. Of those response of, of of those options to protect themselves from this eventuality, whose fault is that? I kind of feel like that's on Prairie Public. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wdaycom Get to a couple of these emails. If Prairie Public, this is from uh, John. If Prairie Public doesn't get Father Brown back on, I could care less if my TV starts to say no signal. Uh, Father Brown being, uh, I've actually not watched it. I'm aware of it. Uh, I, I, I'm aware more of the, uh, the GK Chesterton stories, which, which is where the character's from. I've never watched that. I will say though, Ben, that I was big Downton Abbey fan. Really? <laughs> I don't know if I should admit that publicly, but I, I It's not that what show. I was expecting. I liked it. I liked it a lot. They're coming out with a movie. I'm super excited about it. Uh, let's go. Let's get to the calls. Gary, you're on. What do you, what do you think, Gary? Thanks, Rob. I just have a, an analogy here uh, for this Prairie Public and, and Kilbourne Group issue. You know, what would happen, for example, if there was a restaurant that was established and next door was a vacant lot? Um, that vacant lot was uh, something that somebody owned and they were allowing that restaurant to have customers park there. Well, comes a, comes about that that parking lot is being sold and a building is going up and now that restaurant doesn't have the parking it's a similar situation it's not you know Kilbourne's issue to deal with it, it it's terrible to say that but i mean that's just yeah. the way it goes well much i mean if the, the restaurant in your scenario you, you know you think hey you should have a contingency plan and the eventuality you lose access to that parking I kind of feel like that—that's Prairie Publics. Like you should have had a contingency plan in the eventuality that somebody could build a development that blocks your broadcasting from downtown Fargo. I mean, this was always a possibility. Gary, thanks for the call. Got to take a break. This is the Rob Report, nine seventy WDYAM ninety three point one FM. Don't go away. Welcome back, to Rob Report, nine seventy WDYAM ninety three point one FM. We're talking about this situation with the Kilborn Group and Prairie Prairie Public broadcasting in. Uh, down in down in downtown Fargo, 
Um, if you're just tuning in, the the situation is the Kilburn Group's gonna they're they're moving forward on their Block Nine project. Uh, it's gonna be a 235 foot tall tower, which would block the what was it 125 foot tower, something like that that Prairie Public currently has downtown that they use to broadcast to two repeater antennas, one of which serves the Fargo region, the other of which serves basically the rest of North Dakota. Um, now the, the Prairie Public's CEO is basically saying, you know, once once the Block 9 tower gets to about 100 feet or so, it'll start to cut off their tower. Um, and so they're thinking, I mean, by the by the they got they got to have a solution in place by the middle of next year because from Two in Trans article, it sounds like this late summer slash fall is when Kilborn Group's going to break break ground. Um, it should probably reach the level where it's going to be a problem for prairie public in the middle of next year so what do you think about this and and a lot of people blaming the kilborn group for this as a matter of fact here's a letter the editor published in the fargo forum today headline kilborn president is blaming the victim in prairie public dispute this is from abby gold who's a a moorhead resident abby writes at an information session for the block nine construction project held july 17th at the fargo theater kilborn group's project manager Keith Lear repeatedly reiterated that they were working with a consultant to determine the best solution for the problem created by their 18-story, oversized, out-of-proportion building for quaint downtown Fargo. The building will block Prairie Public Broadcasting Signal. I remember when PPB uh, raised money from members to upgrade, build the signal tower next to the broadcasting headquarters of downtown Fargo. Members own the tower and Prairie Public broadcasting is a public good but kilborn group's president mike allmendinger was quoted in a july 18th forum article as saying prairie public broadcasting doesn't own the airspace over the u.s bank building and with that in mind he suggested prairie public should have built its antenna somewhere else instead of taking the risk that some building would be constructed in its transmitters line of sight this this response is completely tone deaf and what i consider to be a typical blame the victim stance in order to deflect away from the real source of the problem which is an oversized out of proportion construction project here's the problem i think i honestly i side with the kilborn group here i don't think i don't think the kilborn group is victimizing anybody by building their project now i know that block 9 has gotten a lot of criticism i know that not everybody likes the development of that project but the simple fact of the matter is they're allowed to develop it they're allowed to build this building prairie public really doesn't have when when mr allmendinger says that prairie public doesn't own the air rights over the the existing u.s bank building he's correct you know, when Prairie Public, you know, years ago, the, this letter writer, Abby Gold, uh, refers to Prairie Public Broadcasting raising money to build their existing tower in downtown Fargo. Maybe at that point when they were raising that money, they should have thought about the possibility in the future that somebody could build a tall building and block their line of sight. If they didn't have a contingency plan in place, if they didn't take that into account, whose fault is that? Now, I say that I like Prairie Public Broadcasting. I don't want them to be harmed. And I hope there's something that can be worked out here that's beneficial to everybody involved. But, you know, these people bashing the Kilbourne Group over this, I think, are are wrong. Kilbourne Group's not doing anything wrong here. This is Prairie Public's problem. It's up to Prairie Public to figure out how to to solve it. Maybe there's there's some sort of an arrangement they can reach with the Kilbourne Group or somebody else in downtown Fargo to get their signal out of downtown Fargo to their towers. I don't know what that is, 
But to blame the Kilborn group here, I think, is is wrong. What do you think? 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Let's get to some of these emails. Uh, Dwayne emails wrong. Uh, you own none of the air above your real property. I, I don't think that's right, Dwayne. I, I think there's a, there has to be such a thing as air rights. If there wasn't a thing as such a thing as air rights, if, if you had a vacant lot next to me, Ben, and I didn't want you to develop it, I could, like, build an extension from my property that, like, covers, like, two feet over your entire property. Right. It'd be like that thing when you're in the back seat with your sister and you put your hand, like, right in front of her face. I'm and you say, I'm not you. touching you. I'm not touching, I'm not touching you. you. Yeah. Yeah. There has to be a thing as such as air rights. As a matter of fact, during the break, I looked up in the North Dakota Century Code, and it refers to air rights. Now, this is in the context of building airports, but the North Dakota Century Code says this. Where necessary, in order to provide unobstructed airspace for the landing and taking off of aircraft, the counties, cities, park districts, and townships may acquire such air rights over proper pri- private property as are necessary to ensure safe approaches to the landing areas. So, I mean, that's a reference in North Dakota law to air rights. It's a yeah. real thing. It actually exists. And, I mean, you would think it, it has to exist. If it didn't exist, I mean, we'd have problems. It would make development – Oh, it would open the door to a lot of very petty roadblocking of development that people, you know, infringing on other people's property rights. Um, emailer says, uh, if somebody builds something that impedes the functionality of a current business – there is cause for a lawsuit, but I'm not sure that there is. I actually think that the uh, the, the emailer, or excuse me, the caller in the last segment, Gary, made a good point. If you had a restaurant and you were using, you, you had some sort of an arrangement with the property owner next door where you're using their parking and all of a sudden they decide, hey, I'm not going to let you use my parking anymore. They're not doing anything illegal. You don't have ground now I, I guess anybody could sue for any reason but i can't imagine that a lawsuit like that would be successful i don't think it should be successful it's not your property you don't have rights to that you know if us if, if, if people want to build up in the air and it blocks you know the, the the transmission of prairie public that's not that's not kilborn group's problem 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Dan emails, Rob, this is uh, City of Fargo, RDO, Hospitality Group, and Kilbourne Project. They are showing proactive measures to solve the problem. Yeah, cooler heads need to prevail. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think there's a solution here. And, and to be quick, clear, I mean, the Kilbourne Group hasn't shut the door on a solution. Right. I mean, they're talking no. with consultants and they're, they're going to, you know, it sounds like they're going to try to find a way. And if they could find a way, I think that would be great. I think that'd be a great gesture of goodwill. I, I just don't like this attitude that they're obligated to find a way. But it would definitely I mean, look good for them if they did do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. Assuming they could work something out, you know, assuming Prairie Public wants to go along with that. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the other thing, though, is I, I don't know what that means for their project. Like, I, I, I don't know anything about these, these towers. I don't know anything about what the Kilborn Group has planned. But, I mean, I, I also think there, there's an upper limit to that generosity, too. I mean, if it, if it seriously impedes the design of their building or what they've got planned for their building, I don't, I don't think they're obligated to spend, like, I don't know, millions of dollars more to accommodate Prairie Public. I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm just saying 
you know, that, that's not just an automatic thing. If they can work something out, great. If they can't, this is still Prairie Public's problem, I think. I say that as, as a Prairie Public fan. Um, let's see. Emailer, uh, Dwayne says, I was, oh, Dwayne was the one who said that, that you own none of the air rights above your property. He says he was referring to the caller, uh, in drone flight. Yeah, I, I, I don't, honestly, I don't know anything about that. I know that air rights, maybe somebody out there, if somebody's a lawyer or somebody has experience with this, you could call in and help us understand air rights a little bit better. I know that, I know that they exist. I know that they are a thing. I don't know what the limits are. I don't know if there's a difference between like, like structural air, like like structures impeding in air rights versus like aircraft, like a drone, like an airplane. I don't I don't know what those are. So if somebody can explain that. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand. Email talk at wday dot com. Um, lots of responses to this on um, on Facebook as well. I put up the question on my uh, on my Facebook page. Uh, you know, just just what do you think about this? Um, and a lot of people beating up Prairie Public, you know, just because there's that sort of knee-jerk, all their public broadcasting. Uh, Tamara says, why do we have taxpayer-funded propaganda? If we fund one, we fund them all or one. I, I, I think that's unfair. I don't think the Prairie Public's propaganda. Uh, let's see. Another email. Uh, Mike says, if this was mission critical, Prairie Public Television uh, could have purchased the airspace rights of their neighbors at any time. They didn't. I'm not sure Kilborn Group has any obligation here, but they may want to make a big contribution during Pledge Week. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't think Kilborn Group's obligated to do anything. I think this is Prairie Public's problem. Uh, Jason writes, uh, sorry about their luck. It's a cost they have to figure out, and it's not Kilborn Group's responsibility to plan for the future of other entities. Prairie Public should have considered future development in downtown Fargo into their long-term planning. I agree with that. I think that's exactly right. What do you think? 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. We've been talking all hour about the situation with the Kilbourne Group and Prairie Public in uh, in downtown Fargo. And honestly, I think the best of all worlds would be just be if they found a way to work it out. I mean, I there are solutions out there. Um, but I what I don't like about this debate is this this feeling that the Kilbourne Group has some sort of an obligation. No, I, I think Prairie Public has an obligation to plan for the future of their organization. If they didn't plan for this eventuality, that's not the Kilbourne Group's problem. Now, if the Kilbourne Group does something nice and reaches out to Prairie Public and helps them solve this problem. Well, good for them. But I don't think they're obligated to do that, and I don't think they're bad guys if, they, if they're if they bad people if they don't necessarily do that, you know, for whatever reasons they have for doing that. Because the other thing you got to remember is I'm sure Kilborn Group doesn't want to set a precedent whereby, you know, they're necessarily on the hook for all of these problems every time they do a development either. Let's go to the phone, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Caller, Aaron, you're on. What's up? Uh, hey, Rob. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I, my point. Uh, you know, they set a precedent, and then uh, they're going to have to live by that with every development they do. Prairie uh, Public should have thought a little further down the road rather than build and then assume nobody would ever develop in that area. But, uh, you know, like you said, the Kilborn group can't set a precedent and then that'd be tough to get around every time well right i mean because that then down the road every time every time right. there's some dispute where somebody says hey kilborn group uh you're blocking my sunlight 
or right. hey, Kilborn Group, you're you're taking away some of my parking or whatever. Then now all of a sudden this company has an obligation to to make that right for everybody. And I don't necessarily think that's the case. Now I'm a big believer in being a good neighbor. Oh, right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, and if, I believe if, they'll work something out. Uh, I hope so. They don't, they don't want to look bad. And with all the work they're doing down there trying to improve yeah. things, I'm sure they'll work something out. But I have another concern. I don't know if you want me to change the subject. Let's go for it. Okay. Uh, there must be some kind of uh, truth in campaign ads. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, our girl Heidi's ads that run, it just makes me laugh. But I'm sure there's people that believe it. Uh, she touts herself, or it touts her, as saving all these uh, things in North Dakota, rolling back EPA regulations, yeah. keeping the bombers at Minot Air Base. Uh, you kind of have to feel like she's like a one-person. Uh, yeah. uh, people will have to realize that she can't do all that alone. She I don't know. It, it just seems You get the feeling that she's like queen of... how much gray area yeah. she can work with and still get away with it. You get the idea that she's like queen of the United States Senate, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Like, all we need is Heidi. <laughs> you know, if if you read uh, one thing, I've always laughed about. If you read her press releases that are all, even even like from her office, not even from her campaign, but over the last you know almost six years, you read her press releases, and they're always. First of all, I don't think there's anything that her office that you could say in like a hundred words that they can't say in like five hundred. Um, and then and then the other thing is if, is is it's always. Uh, as I've long said, right? Like, she, like there's always this very kind of smug. As I've long said, I, I don't know. That that just kind of. Yeah. I just, I just don't know area. what kind of gray area they work with that they can straddle that line and still say some of it's true. Or uh, well, there's just, well, here's well, here's here's the thing. There's 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 no regulations on this. Actually, there was there, there have been laws in other states. As a matter of fact, I think we talked about on the program a few weeks ago about a law in Ohio that banned you know, false statements in political advertising, and it got overturned by the Supreme Court. Because the problem is, and I, I agree with this, the problem is who gets to decide what is and is not true? Right. Because, well, yeah, Aaron, Aaron, you and I, you and I... for one of yeah. those, but yeah. she didn't do it herself. Ultimately, I think it's up to the voters to just decide the efficacy of the things politicians tell us. And I think that's the best. Thank you, Yeah, I think that's the best way. Thanks for the call, Aaron. I mean, because... Here's the thing, Ben. I mean, Aaron and I could sit and look at Senator Heitkamp's ads and say, "Oh, those are wrong." Right. Uh, and a Heitkamp supporter might say, "Oh no, those are those are the gospel. That's that's the truth." Uh, well, who's right? And which which angels in the court system, or or in the legislature, or or, or in the, the 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 federal or state bureaucracy, do we trust to settle those? things for us because everybody think. is going to come with their different opinion about it right yeah. yeah so just leave it be you're gonna i mean it's it's that time of year we're gonna be inundated fact checker this fact checker that this is they're lying he's lying she's lying everything else uh you're just gonna have to wade through it yourself that's a part of the cost of being a citizen of a country like ours hey uh we're gonna keep the discussion going an hour two congressman kevin kramer joins me at 1 30 in the next hour tune in for that this is the rob report 970 wday am 93.1 FM, Hour 2, coming up next. Don't go away. Welcome back to Rob Report 970, WDAY AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We've been talking about uh, the Prairie Public Kilborn Group issue in the uh, in the first segment of, uh, in, in, in the first part of the, uh, the program. We, um... 
We uh, and by the way, uh, later this hour we can keep that conversation going if you like. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com. Uh, coming up at one thirty, Congressman Kevin Cram will be joining us for his weekly uh, open phone segment. Tune in for that. You can start emailing your questions in now, and and we we already have some questions uh, an email on Facebook. Um, if you want to. Uh, if you want to call them in, of course, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. The, um, well, everybody's still talking about Russia and Putin and President Trump's meeting with Vladimir Putin. Um, and it's been interesting. Um, obviously, we, we saw President Trump when he was at the joint press conference with, with Vladimir Putin. And he was asked, you know, do you think, do you think Russia meddled? Uh, President Trump, you know, basically said, well, my, you know, my administration says yes, but, you know, I just talked with President, uh, I just talked with Putin and he strongly denied it. I don't know why. You know, so like that. He, he tried to walk it back. He then had an interview where he tried to walk it back. He said he misspoke. And he, he tried to say, well, I, he said, you know, why, you know, do, do you think, he, he said what he meant to say was essentially, um, I don't know why it wouldn't be Russia, right? I, that's, that's what he tried to say. But now today, what we just got uh, is, a, is a report where he was asked, um, and this is, I'm reading this from the Washington Post, he was asked if, if the United States uh, is, if Russia is still targeting he, the United States. Um, this is... Uh, a reading now for the Washington Post. President Trump, who has been under fire for not aggressively confronting Russian President Vladimir Putin over election interference on Wednesday, said he believes Russia is no longer targeting the United States. Thank you very much. No, Trump said in response to a question from a reporter about whether Russia is still targeting the United States. He also asserted that no president has been tougher on Russia than him. I quote, I think President Putin knows better than anybody, certainly a lot better than the media, Trump told reporters that part being, of course, about uh, President Trump being tougher on Russia. Um, I, I don't know when when I heard the audio, I had to go watch the video, and and it is, I mean, President Trump, because when I heard the audio of that, Ben, I wasn't sure if President Trump was actually responding to the reporter. Yeah, right, because a lot of times mm-hmm. you have a lot of reporters shouting at at these people all at once, and it's not real clear, you know, who are, are they actually responding to that question? Are they responding to something else that's going on around them? Um, so I went and watched the video. They have the video up at the Washington Post. And he's pretty clearly responding to the reporter. So President Trump saying that we're no longer, now he's claiming we're, 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 Russia's no longer targeting us. I I don't think that's true. Especially um, not when we have another election coming up this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't know. It's it's a difficult thing. I, I'm having a hard time explaining this. And by the way, Congressman Kramer, when he was asked about this, he said sometimes it's it's harder to defend President Trump than it is to explain what he's doing. You know, so I, I think even some of Trump's supporters are feeling a little bit exasperated here um, because there's I mean, there's there's clear facts that are sta- staring us in the face. Russia tried to meddle in our election. This was state sanctioned. There's no no question about that. The evidence for it is overwhelming. And Trump keeps touting this idea, you know, his administration has been tougher on Russia than previous administrations. I actually, I think that's true. 
I think that's absolutely the case, that the Trump administration has been tougher on Russia than previous administrations. What I don't understand is why the president of the United States would want to undermine his efforts to take his own efforts to take a hard line on Russia by being sort of obsequious to the Russian president. And I get I, I, I get the diplomacy argument. Right. I get the you know, sometimes you got to pull punches when you're trying to, to, to shift the window on a diplomatic relationship. I can understand that. But sometimes the facts are just the facts. Meanwhile, congressional Democrats, and I don't know how well this gambit's going to work. I'm reading this for the Washington Times uh, headline, Democrats call for Trump's interpreter and Putin meeting to testify before Congress, the interpreter bet. So basically the person who's, who's translating what? between the, pre, you know, the, the two leaders, one of them Russian, the other English, there's an interpreter there. So you have somebody else in the room who's seeing and, seeing and hearing everything said. Now, I don't think that's going to fly. I mean, a certain amount of this is just executive privilege, right? right? Like the president, the president, I and I believe this, the president should be allowed to talk with other world leaders privately. You know, sometimes you have to take the glare of public scrutiny off of situations so that these people can speak to each other candidly. I'm not opposed to that. The thing is, is that translators are a necessity to that process and for a lot of reasons. Uh, and I don't know that you could just do an end run around executive privilege by saying, oh, we want to subpoena the translator. Well, I feel like they're just doing it for the fact they can be like, when that doesn't happen, they cannot do it. They can be like, oh, they didn't want us to talk with the person. Yeah. Clearly something must be up. I, that to me seems like the play they're going for. This is from the Washington Times. At least two congressional Democrats want President Trump's interpreter to testify about his meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin. So curious for Democrats to learn what was said in Monday's private meeting between Mr. Trump and Mr. Putin. There were no other officials in the room, only each man's translator, that Senator Gene Shaheen and Representative Joe Kennedy III have each made the unusual request. I'm calling, this is a quote now, I'm calling for a hearing with the U.S. interpreter who was present during President Trump's meeting with Putin to uncover what they discussed privately. This interpreter can help determine what POTUS shared, promised Putin on our behalf. Um, that's what the uh, the New Hampshire senator uh, wrote on Twitter on Tuesday. Um, I I think you're right, Ben. I think that's I think that's posturing. Yeah. I think that's. I mean, obviously nobody's going to agree to that. No. Right. I mean, what are we supposed to? If all of a sudden the translators can just be subpoenaed to come in and and tell talk about everything that the president spoke about. <laughs> okay, so now the president has to work without a translator. Come on, come on, let's get serious. Um, I, do you feel bad? This is I've been thinking about this because I've, I've been trying to take a step back from the specific Russia situation and just look at the situation as a whole, right? And and the thing that I'm struggling with, it just seems like there's nobody you could trust anywhere in any of this. Yeah, I think that's a fair observation. I don't I don't know that President Trump is is reliable in his recounting of things that actually happen. No. I mean, he his escapades with fabulism are, are rather notorious. I think even his supporters acknowledge that sometimes he just says whatever, and that's a problem because it makes him unreliable. We can't necessarily just count on his accounting of what happened. Uh, I don't know necessarily, though, that we could trust, 
you know, the, the intelligence community. I, I think a lot of, I think there's a lot of Senator Rand Paul, for instance, is pointing out that John Brennan, who was the head of the CIA, is now out calling President Trump a traitor on Twitter. You think that doesn't undermine Brennan? I mean, there's a yep. reason why officials like that shouldn't engage in such over-the-top political rhetoric. It undermines their credibility. And, and under, even when they're no longer working for an institution like the CIA, like the FBI, it undermines the credibility of those institutions. Because you say, well, gosh, a person who feels like that was working there? And I guess you could argue that, oh, well, at least they're being honest about how they feel. I mean, at least they're being transparent about it, which I guess, okay, I buy that. But, boy, it doesn't really make – I mean, when, when you're supposed to believe that, that these people were in charge of these institutions and, and executed their, their duties free from political bias, boy, that's hard, that's hard to accept. Yeah. It makes you wonder what uh, – ah, sorry – it makes you wonder where their political leanings might have influenced yeah. their work, and you hope that it didn't, but you just don't well, here's know. Another, yeah, here's another example. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, James Comey, who has obviously uh, you know, been a bit of a political pinata for a while now, and much deservedly so. I think he made a lot of very poor choices at the FBI. He's now out on Twitter yesterday evening. This is what he writes. He goes, quote, this Republican Congress has proven incapable of fulfilling the founder's design that, quote, ambition must counteract ambition. All who believe in this country's values must vote Democrats this fall. Policy differences don't matter right now. History has its eyes on us. So here we have the guy who we're supposed to believe was did not have a political agenda when he was at the FBI, was not out to undermine the Trump administration, was this paragon of ethics and virtue while he was in office is now basically calling for voters to cast a straight party line democratic vote in november I, how you you couldn't see that as somebody undermining their own credibility is beyond me and i mean i understand he isn't working with them anymore but and he has the right to express his opinion as a citizen but it's like you say, it does call into question then and, you know, when he was working. I don't know. The uh, the Democrats aren't, aren't, they don't really want Comey's endorsement, though. I'm reading this. This is from yeah. Washington Free Beacon. Brian Fallon, who served as the national press secretary for Hillary Clinton's failed 2016 presidential campaign, summed up the prevailing, uh, the pervading, excuse me, sentiment on the left when he took to social media to declare Democrats don't want Comey's endorsement. Democrats don't want your endorsement, but thanks, he tweeted at uh, at James Comey. Um, there's others as well, uh, all sorts of all sorts of Democrats responding, saying basically. I mean, given uh, what happened, I don't fault them for not really being too keen on well, that. Well, they, I mean, yeah. they blame they blame him for oh, Hillary yeah. Clinton losing mm-hmm. because he he reopened after Anthony Weiner's, um, you know, came to light. He had he had emails on his laptop and he announced that they were reopening the investigation into Hillary Clinton. And that obviously reopened the emails issue, but I, I don't know. I, it just, I, I think one reason why I can understand president Trump's appeal is that he was going to be a wrecking ball for, to, to the quote unquote establishment to the quote unquote swamp, whatever you want to call it in Washington, DC. I think that's a real thing. I'm not, I'm not willing to go so far as, as 
you know, where some people have taken it with talk about the deep state or what have you. But I definitely think that there is a ruling class in this country. I think there is a level of elitism. I think there's a level of, of disconnect where the interests of that ruling class have come to obfuscate maybe the interests of the country as a whole. I think that's a real thing. I think there's a bubble. There's career bureaucrats. There's people who get in that bubble, whether it's through public office, whether it's it's moving up through one bureaucracy or another, uh, and it becomes sort, sort of an institutional resistance to the will of the people. I think that's a real thing. I think it's a real problem. And to the extent that President Trump was going to be a battering ram for those things, uh, I was okay with that. The problem, though, is that we reach to a we reach a point where you could create a real crisis where the people just don't know who to trust anymore. You know, and unfortunately, a lot of these institutions have nobody but themselves to blame. The FBI behaved poorly. The CIA has done poorly. Frankly, I mean, you want to get outside of the government, the press, I think, the way they've reacted to President Donald Trump. Although they've wrapped themselves in the First Amendment and, uh, and and sort of cast themselves as the last sentinels protecting American democracy against President Trump by going so overboard in that direction, I think they've also undermined their credibility for the millions and millions of people who voted for President Trump and feel like the majority of people who work in the media don't like them very much or certainly don't like their points of view. This is a real crisis for our country where we're, we're looking around going, who can we trust? Who can we trust to just tell us what is going on? And I think a lot of Americans are feeling right now like they can't trust anybody. And that, my friends, is not a good thing. More to come straight ahead. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We have our weekly open phone segment with Congressman Kevin Kramer coming up in the next segment. If you want to start getting, we're actually getting a bunch of, uh, and I, I hadn't done this before. I'm kind of dumb for not doing it. Uh, but I put up a Facebook post just asking people for questions for the congressman. Um, and a lot of them are coming in that way. So we're going to have a bunch of questions for Kramer. Great. Uh, this time around. If you want to email them in as well, you can talk at WDAY.com. Or when he's on, you can certainly call them in. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Um, yeah, do you do you see this thing like like the trust? I see, I see the, the, the trust issue as being a big one right now, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's actually why I think it was sort of foolhardy for Democrats to be so to oppose voter ID. I mean, I get not wanting to create a situation where you um, I don't want to deny anybody the right to vote and I don't want to support policies that that are unduly inhibitive of, of people voting. That being said, if, if people start to feel like they can't trust the ballot box because we're doing absolutely nothing to verify whether or not the votes cast there are are, are valid or, or we're not doing enough or, or, or fraud becomes easy. Well, that undermines our trust in election outcomes. And that in turn undermines our trust in the legitimacy of those elected to govern. Uh, faith in institutions is an important thing in a free society. And I think it's very easy, as comfortable as we Americans are, to forget that, to forget how easily that trust can be lost. I mean, the, the American system of government, for all its faults, and there are many, 
for all its faults, has been wildly successful. Seen from the perspective of engendering trust, right? I mean, even even speaking economically, I mean, one of the reasons why the United States government um, had such a such a flourishing economy, you know, particularly at its beginning, it wasn't just the natural resources; it was also that we created a legal environment where we weren't being sort of ruled by the whims of the powerful, right? The people got a vote. Uh, the government was restrained. If it wanted to implement a new policy, there were only so many ways it could do it, right? That created a stable environment. So that if you started a business, you had a relatively predictable set of laws that you could do it. And we're actually, I mean, that, you want to talk about another thing that undermines our trust in the government. Look at the amount of governing we're doing through executive order, right? Look at all, for instance, look at all the executive orders that President Obama issued while he was president. And then look at the whiplash we got when President Trump gets elected and comes in and starts clearing house on those executive orders, right? And all that is is just sort of the whims of one person, just the person who happens to be elected president at the moment. That undermines trust in government. It makes people feel like their votes don't matter as much. Well, it starts to make you feel like we're electing a monarch. Yeah. Right? Like we elect a monarch and now the law is going to be whatever the king says, right? And okay, we still elect the monarch. That's not a good thing. I mean, there's a reason why it's hard to make public policy in America. Because a, an arduous process demands consensus, right? And, and laws reach through consensus. That means, you know, policies are going to change slowly and in a predictable fashion. And it's not so predictable anymore. You know, and, and, and increasingly so, I, you know, so, I mean, you, you just talk across the board. I mean, it's not just some of the things that have been exposed about the FBI and the CIA and others during Trump's rise to power. It's not just what President Trump himself has done in undermining the trust of the executive branch, the, the trust of the presidency. It's not just the political rhetoric out there where you know one side doesn't like to acknowledge that the other side has a legitimate right to govern because they won the election right we've always got to come up with some ulterior uh, exploit like hillary clinton can't just accept that she lost the election it's got to be the russians we got to cast illegitimacy you know it's it's that the government has grown so large and so capricious I think even here in North Dakota, this daycare issue, which I saw Mike McFeely. It sounds like Mike McFeely's coming around on the daycare issue. Good for him, finally. But the Curious Kids Daycare, I think that's another example. It is a scary thing to undermine our trust in institutions. Anyway, enough of that talk. Congressman Kramer, Kevin Kramer coming up next. Get your questions ready. You can call them in, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, or uh, you can certainly uh, uh, put them on Facebook, put them on Twitter. We'll be right back with the congressman. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report 970, WDAY AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. we got a ton of questions lined up for Congressman Kramer. Uh, if you want to call in, uh, I just gave you the numbers. If you want to call in and get your uh, get your questions, and now now's the time to do it. The congressman should be joining us here. Uh, in a moment, uh, including uh, lots of questions, including somebody. Here's, here's a question, Ben, for the congressman. Uh, Joe asks, has he ever used Russian dressing on his salad? <laughs> I laughed. I thought that was good. 
That's a good one. Uh, yeah, we got all sorts of stuff uh, about extreme liberal rhetoric. We got a question about uh, why he employs his wife to handle his schedule uh, and his campaign. Uh, we got a question about Senator Heitkamp's uh, fundraising. It's uh, it's double his, uh, you know, question about whether or not that's going to have an impact on the election. So lots of questions for the congressman who uh, I believe is calling in right now. So hopefully we'll get him on the air uh, and get him uh, locked in here momentarily. Uh, once again, if you want to call in, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, let's see. We also have... Um, by the way, this is something I'm going to write about. I think on the blog, you know that that big um, that big twister out in Western North Dakota hit Watford City. Uh, that fell into a gap in in radar, and I, I'm I'm interested in uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be writing about that. I think later on. Uh, let's see. Do we have the congressman Ben? Is that who we have on the line? Uh, not yet. We do have a caller waiting for the congressman, though. She has a question. Okay. All right, we'll get her. Uh, we'll get to her in a moment. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday.com uh, if you want to get through on that uh, certainly a lot going on uh, i want to uh, i want to ask uh, i want to ask kevin too a little bit about russia we'll see if we have time hopefully we'll have time for all these questions uh let's see what else is going on yeah th- th- there's actually and, and i the reason why i'm bringing this up but talking about the radar situation there's actually a map online that shows where all the uh, all the doppler radars are in the united states there's some pretty big gaps across the country when you think about the sort of extreme weather that north dakota goes through at times uh i feel like maybe we could invest some money in closing some of those gaps all right we've got the congressman congressman kramer how you doing i'm well thank you rob how are you very good we have a ton of questions lined up for you including uh, chris who's been waiting patiently on the line <laughs> go ahead chris what's up yes uh congressman kramer um i have a question about health insurance sure um i actually retired early so that i could start my own company and when I did, of course, I was relieved that I didn't have to worry about the restrictions on pre-existing conditions. Sure. So um, I see now that Wayne Stengem has a lawsuit filed to um, saying that, that the Obamacare is unconstitutional. So I have to ask you if you agree that protections for pre-existing conditions should be struck down in this way. So this has become a very common um, question because I think there's some confusion about the lawsuit and pre-existing conditions. Um, I, I don't know that – I'm not, not familiar with what exactly Wayne's doing unless he's part of that larger group of states. I think there's 22 states, something like that. North Coast probably one of them. It's led by Texas that is, that is suing again over the constitutionality of Obamacare in general. Um, Pre-existing conditions is one part of, of many parts of Obamacare. It's been already determined to be constitutional, as you know, by the United States Supreme Court. So it seems unlikely to me that that would that that would be struck down. Um, I will say this: that the, the bills that the Republican Congress has, well, the House has passed, that the Senate has come up one vote short on, do protect pre-existing conditions. So if we would get, for example, another shot at American Health Care Act or something similar, or in the Senate, Graham-Cassidy, uh, which, by the way, provides much more flexibility and, and even more money for North Dakota, uh, pre-existing conditions are covered and guaranteed under both of those, uh, both of those laws. So uh, I think we can have both flexibility and pre-existing condition protection in, uh, in a new bill. Uh, that's obviously not going to happen this year. Kevin, I'm, not, uh, Mike, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, so I don't know about the constitutionality question. It just seems unlikely that it would be that it would be deemed unconstitutional when it's already been deemed constitutional by the United States Supreme Court. 
Kevin, Mike asks on Facebook, what's his opinion on how extreme little liberal rhetoric has gotten and how does he think that is, if at all, affecting North Dakota Senate race and more specifically Heidi Heitkamp's campaign? Well, you know, from a political analysis standpoint, I think I think it's already become problematic for her. I think it's been problematic for her for quite a while, as you know, Rob. The the uh, even the North Dakota Democratic NPL party has more adopted more the the extreme left policies and positions and politics than um, you know than the standard or than the uh, average run of the mill you know, God-fearing patriotic Democrat in North Dakota. And I think that's become a problem for Senator Heitkamp. I mean, as you know, even their delegates, the Democratic National Convention, passed a resolution uh, of opposition of some sort uh, against Senator Heitkamp for not being liberal enough. And so, I, I, yeah, I think it's clearly a problem for her her base. Um, she's in a very tough spot right now, as we consider it. She has to consider now whether to support to support the uh, nomination of Judge Kavanaugh to the United States Supreme Court. I don't think it's much of a decision for her. I think she's made her upper mind to do exactly that, and she'd probably hesitate to announce it, but um, she's pretty much stuck doing that. And I think it's one of the examples of where it's become a problem for her. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's up to her to decide whether she goes with a very left-wing base or if she tries to be more middle of the road and represent what North Dakotans want. Jack via emails asks, hi, I wondered if Congressman Kramer had any thoughts on this Russian spy woman. The media is reporting she traded sex for information. It's straight out of the movies. Thanks, big fan. Uh, that's from Jack. <laughs> well, what do I think about it? I, I saw the, the first first and only story I saw about it was last evening on one of the newscasts. And I don't remember. But is my understanding, it, it sounds very clever and it sounds like something that, that – um, that's been being done for for decades in the in the spy business, and that is relationship building. Now, I wasn't familiar; haven't heard so much about the the sex part as as much as I, if she's not maybe she's not the same one, but that one of them got active in the National Prayer Breakfast movement, tried to create you know close relationships with members of Congress um, through the National Prayer Breakfast movement, which is you know is an international prayer breakfast uh, event that has people from all over the world that come to it, and it's it's one of those things where you know, a lot of relationships are built. Um, Russia is very good at spying. I, I don't think we should ever be fooled by that I, I, and, or naive about it. They use every kind of resource imaginable to, to get to people, and um, it may seem unfair to some, you know, to some Russians that are in our country if we start getting you know, worried about everybody that has an accent. I think that would be very unfortunate, but at the same time we have to be very diligent about people who are active in, uh, in our government. 701-293-9000. You want to join the program, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Jamie on Facebook asks, is there a specific reason why he employs his wife to handle his schedule as well as to frequently run his campaigns? When during his political, when during his political career did this begin and why? I assume there are many other qualified people for the role. Well, if there were a thousand qualified people for the role and my wife was one of them, I'd hire her. Because in politics, you want to hire the best person. Um, my wife, Chris, and I met actually at a political meeting where she was the communications director for a campaign, and I was the, a new staffer at the North Dakota Republican Party. That was over 30 years ago. Since that time, she's managed all of my campaigns except for the current one, and now she handles the, the scheduling for that. Um, 
Chris is Chris is the most competent political that I've ever hired in my in my career. As a matter of fact, she has a master's degree in communications. She's taught communications at three universities. Um, she has, as I said, worked on campaigns. I met her while she's working on a campaign. Uh, she she's well regarded in uh, throughout the country. But here's the best part: where the average uh, the average salary for a 25 year old to 30 year old campaign manager for a congressional campaign is about five to six thousand dollars a month. Um, Chris was paid two thousand dollars a month, and by the way, she's undefeated in uh, in the campaigns that she's run for me. So there's lots of reasons why I would hire her. Uh, Jeremy asks, will he vote for or against recreational cannabis in November? I talking about the state ballot measure, which which looks more than likely is going to be on the ballot. Yeah, no, I'll vote against it. I don't think we need any more. I don't think we need any more uh, legal drugs or illegal drugs. Although I would tell you this, I've always supported in Congress a state's right to have uh, to, to pass uh, those laws and make make those laws for themselves. Uh, let's see, we got a caller, Greg. Greg, you're on. What's up? Hi, Congressman. Thanks for having. So, following up about liberal extremism, mm-hmm. you know, I just wanted to say what a problem I thought it was. And do you think, Congressman, that this Me Too thing has gone too far? You know, trying to kick people out of our society for things that a decade or two ago would have been fine. You know, well, that's sort of loaded in a couple of ways. I mean, has the Me Too thing gone too far? I don't. I don't know. I suppose there are instances when it has, just like any other cause or any other movement. At the same time, the issue of abuse in the workplace and sexual harassment and um, you know even in bias or bigotry against women it can't be tolerated. If if it ever the fact that it ever was is hard to believe. It's hard to believe that slavery was tolerated in this country. And so I think there's a lot of I don't you know I want to say this carefully but there's a lot of work to do yet to get to to uh, having non-hostile workplaces and not, and not that anybody's perfect uh, but we ought to strive for perfection and so I, I don't know that I'd say it's gone too far I think that when people use a a good cause an important cause a noble cause and noble goals for you know political gain in a sense that it's not just simply taking up the cause, but trying to manipulate situations, trying to entrap people, things like that, that's going too far. But if there's been abuse or there's been um, some sort of discrimination, uh, you know, I don't, I think you have to deal with it. And I think it's, it's legitimate, it's legitimate campaign fodder if, uh, you know, if somebody's, somebody's done it. But at the same time, we also have to acknowledge that there, there can be and should be opportunity for redemption. And and you have to judge each of those situations in those cases as they come. Um, you know, there are all kinds of relationships in politics as well as in personal life, as well as in you know any you know any uh, workplace. Um, and each case has to be sort of dealt with, I suppose, on an individual basis. But I, you know, the the Me Too movement has highlighted a problem, and hopefully, it's it's made workplaces better. I think it's had a favorable impact, frankly, positive impact on Congress because it's forced a lot of members of Congress and people who work in Congress, uh, you know, to to get trained up and to and to try to find, um, you know, to learn things about themselves and sensibilities and sensitivities. And and I think at the end of it, we're all better for it. Uh, I think it's probably the last question we have time for. Uh, Gene asks, this is Gene Hansen, by the way, who likes to carve messages in his wheat fields, including one that says <laughs> vote Kramer, Hansen. U.S. Senate. Uh, Gene asks, Heitkamp has raised twice as much money as Kramer. Is that going to make a difference in the election this fall? 
Well, it means she'll have twice as much money to spend as I do, I suppose. If, if it ends up that way, I suspect it's going to get a lot closer than that. I would tell you this much. One of the things that has impressed me about Senator Heitkamp's financial disclosures is how much she spends and how little she has to show for it, because I, I n- never cease to be amazed at, at the burn rate of, of her fundraising over the last five years. Um, but no, but the way I always like to put it, Gene, is that Senator Heitkamp and I are both going to have more than enough money to win a United States Senate race. One of us will and one of us won't. Um, money will not be a problem. And, of course, at this point, if you haven't noticed, there's a lot of outside money being spent on, on the race um, for both sides, uh, some favorable for one side or the other, some you know against one side or the other. And uh, there's, going to be, there's going to be plenty of messages out there to, for people to digest and sift through. Kevin, thanks for your time. Talk to you next week. Pleasure's mine. Thanks, Rob. Congressman Kevin Kramer, this is the Rob Report, 970 WDY AM, 93.1 FM. We'll wrap up right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 WDY AM, 93.1 FM. Hey, Ben, I got some news for the show on Friday. Uh, We actually, one of the the questions uh, during uh, that segment with Congressman Kramer was about uh, the lawsuit that the state of North Dakota is party to. I think Congressman Kramer wasn't sure if we were party to it or not. We are. Uh, Attorney General Wayne Sendrum has joined us. We actually had Cong- former Congressman Earl Pomeroy on yesterday yep. about this issue. But um, one of the questions was about that and about you know pre-existing conditions and what that's going to do for Obamacare and everything else. Um, on Friday, we're actually going to have a joint interview with Attorney General Wayne Stenjum and Insurance Commissioner John Gottfried about that issue. Okay. Yeah, we, could, we could cover the whole impact of, of what it is. Mm-hmm. From you know the legal perspective, what exactly it is the legal argument that the state of North Dakota and other states is making in opposition to Obamacare, as well as the potential impacts on insurance here in North Dakota. We'll hear from uh, John Godfrey about that. So on Friday, that's certainly been in the headlines a lot. On Friday, uh, will be an opportunity if people want to call in and ask questions. Of course, you're always welcome because, well, that's what we do on this show is we keep the phones open. Except when Senator Heitkamp sneaks in with with my guest host, then I guess we close the phones down. Although it was nice of her to say right at the end that she would have taken calls. Yeah. Right at the end of the interview. Mm-hmm. Her scheduler said that she wouldn't have time for calls. Well, anyway, that is what it is. Uh, let's see. Coming up tomorrow, I don't know what we're doing yet tomorrow. Um, I tell you, I'm going to write a little bit about this uh, Doppler radar thing, I think, in, in, a, in a state. I, I, and the reason why I've been talking about this, I was kind of filibustering with it a little bit while we're waiting for the congressman to join. But the reason why I'm talking about this, this map I, I'm from the Weather Channel is kind of remarkable. Like, they show, like, the it's basically it's like a coverage map, right? Like, you've seen those cell phone maps, like, you know, this is where everybody has coverage. Yep. It's a coverage map for basically weather radar, Doppler radar. Really? And where the tornado happened was right in the gap between, like, North Dakota radar and Montana radar. There's a whole big gap out there that, that's not covered well. In a state that has, you know, the sort of unpredictable and, and extreme weather that we have, I, I feel like that's something we could fix. And I know it's something that already people in McKenzie County, I'm assuming you're talking about the Watford City? Right, Watford City, McKenzie County, yeah. yeah. I know many people They're are already, already pushing for that. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I think it needs to happen, uh, you know, and, and not least. I mean, maybe you, you look at the map. Obviously, the, the radar coverage is is about what you would expect given population disbursement. Super rural areas don't have it. I tell you, there's a lot more people living in western North Dakota now these days. 
Uh, and so I, anyway, we might, maybe we'll see about getting a guest about that tomorrow. And I, I think I might write about it as well at sayanythingblog.com. I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, also on sayanythingblog.com today, there is a, we've had a debate over the last couple of legislative sessions about, um, dental therapists. Have you heard, have you heard this debate at all? Dental therapist? No. Basically it's the creation on the medical side. You know, we have a lot of different things. Like we have LPNs and RNs and, and they're all. Yeah certified to provide varying levels of care a dental therapist would be allowed to do certain sort of routine dental procedures that right now only dentists can do and so it would create like a lower tier of education supposedly it's it's supposed to expand access state senator Ole larson has a good op-ed about this on sayanythingblog.com minnesota does this north dakota we've been fighting to do it the dentists don't want it some say because they're protecting their own industry. I don't I don't know. Read the post at sayanythingblog.com. That's it for me today. Jay Thomas Show, straight ahead. You can always catch me here 12 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.